Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Just in case you guys missed it, and there are a lot of podcast episodes coming out at the moment. Your World Cup quarterfinal roundup has been available to everybody since yesterday. World Service members will get their semi-final preview pod tonight. That's Monday night. But while our focus has been on the World Cup these last few weeks, the rugby world has kept on turning and it has delivered plenty of material to throw at Shane Horgan today. Hey, Murph. Hey, Owen. How's it going? How hey, are you? Si. Hey, Owen. Hey, Murph. I do feel, kind of feel like I need a little... If, if you could just uh, take me up to speed on what's been happening in the rugby world. Warren Gatlin has returned to Wales <laughs> to replace Sorry. Wayne Pivetch. Did you actually not know this? Sorry. What? Sorry. Warren Gatlin is a Wales coach, Murph. <laughs> and will be for a long time. We'll get to that in a second. The tumultuous Eddie you Jones. You know Joe Schmidt's gone, right? Schmidt's yeah, gone. Schmidt, no, so Andy Farrell is Ireland coach. Everything it's a lot more fun now. The Ireland... Uh, the yeah. Ireland oh, well, the, the camp is a lot more fun, isn't it? We haven't actually won a trophy, but everyone... Is uh, we've won a lot of hearts. We've won a lot of hearts. Yeah. Listen, no, no, slightly more recently than that. Yeah, no, Mid November is fine. Everything after that, on you might be. T- you, this might all be to my virgin ears. Eddie Jones is gone. Ron O'Gara has committed his future to La Rochelle, putting to bed reports that he he was never going to take the England job. I mean, sure, he'll take it in about three years' time, but Obviously. right now <laughs> he was never going to take the England. I'm job. delighted for Ron because I think. All that speculation about who wanted him mm. more, who was going to pay him more. Yeah. That must have been <laughs> yeah, d- putting him off his game a little bit. It was a rough few weeks yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, no, it is true. It's a nightmare that sort of news is out there. And just this weekend, the Champions Cup got up and running with a resounding Leinster win, a European Tolman Park defeat for Munster, and a horror show for Ulster at Sale. Feel up to speed, Murph? Do you want more on Gatland? Yeah, I think that's the, that's the big one for me. Well, initially, the deal is to take them through to the World Cup. Okay. They sacked Wayne Pivac. But the WRU chief executive, Steve Phillips, added that there is the ability to go through to the next World Cup, <laughs> up to and including Australia 2027. Of yeah. course, Catlin will have to squeeze in the Lions tour to Australia in the middle of that. Sure, he hasn't been selected as the Lions coach yet, but no doubt mm. he will be. Yeah, I suppose when you look at it from Wales's point of view, Warren Gatland is actually the only person capable of doing his job in Welsh rugby for the last 15 years. <laughs> so you would be inclined to give him that job back, really, wouldn't you? When you consider that every, every other decision that Wales have made in relation to rugby in the last 15 years has been a bad one. Yeah. Why not go back to the one good decision you made? Yeah. 
whenever the hell that was. Has anyone broken the Eddie Jones news to Ken? It's a scammy Irish. Someone tells me Ken's not going to find Steve Borthwick to be such a cult figure. <laughs> I, Boring. I actually quite like Steve Borthwick. Yeah. Our words, I can't really see uh, Ken's uttering at any stage over the course of the next 12 months. Okay, so there was a scintillating performance from Leinster against Racing at the weekend. Brian O'Driscoll said last night, watching their attacking game is like watching the Wigan Rugby League team of the 90s. A gas bag! Wow. <laughs> that was actually O'Driscoll from last night. <laughs> That's how excited he is. Watch you dickhead! Yeah, that was, yeah, that was Deladio made an annoying point on the yeah, BT yeah, show. Okay. And he, Hey, that's no way to speak about Craig Doyle, <laughs> fine presenter. Uh, the timings, the angle of runs, everyone making themselves a viable option. The, that's the kind of stuff he was talking about in terms mm. of Leinster's attacking game. But the Munster defeat side is probably the biggest story of the weekend. Yep. To use the words of LeVar Ball when comparing himself to Michael Jordan. Were Toulouse simply too big to strong? strong. <laughs> um, well, Munster are actually slowly building some form. So they beat Connacht, they beat Edinburgh away, scored 30-odd points. South Africa A game in Parky Cueve, and now this game. They're making line breaks again, which they weren't before. Um, Carby looks much more relaxed. The fans are clearly into it again. And they actually outplayed Toulouse for the first 20 minutes or so. And there was some dogged stuff in there, but there was inventive play. And in the final sort of 12, 13 minutes as well, they looked really dangerous. And they could have actually won it. Like, Toulouse were the better team, but Munster could have won it. They were within five points with three minutes to go. DuPont was off for a yellow card. The crowd could kind of sense something was on. And Toulouse were wilting a little bit at that stage. And Munster had a nice backline formation. It was, it was outside the Toulouse 22. But Patterson, who was the sub scrum half, he come on for Casey. He sent one of these slow, high passes to, I think it was Carberry. And all the momentum was killed. And it is the sort of game Munster could have or would have won in the past, you know, against better players, against a better team. Mm. We've all seen it, but not this time. And I think they need to get that back as much as they need to develop all the other bits we've been talking about for years, progressive link play, things like their defensive mall, their kick strategy, all that other stuff. But they also need to get that sort of feeling of like, it doesn't matter that this team have better players than us. We, we can still win it in, within these 80 minutes. So you're blaming the crowd? <laughs> no, not, this is exactly it. Like the, the crowd they, were they, on it. They, they, yeah. It's almost like Munster didn't quite. The players didn't quite sense the way the old team would have done. Like this is this is actually here for us. Forget mm-hmm. the previous seventy-eight minutes. Mo, Toulouse are actually wilting a little bit here. We're up against fourteen men. We were in a beautiful position, and there was just a few little errors. Like that, Baron had one crooked line out. There was just there was one rook where it knocked off a, a Munster player's foot, knocked it out of the rook, and Toulouse um, broke out of defence. But I love them to get that that connection between the crowd and their self-belief and their play all sort of combining for them to win games they shouldn't. All right, sign up to the World Service now to hear all the rest of our World Cup coverage this that's, week. That's actually a really good idea, Owen, yeah. Oh, Sorry, no, is. I was going to say that myself if you didn't, didn't say no, that. Good. No, good. I think yeah, it's yeah, a fine yeah. idea. No, well, I mean, that's what I'm here for. Own your amazing. And all the great <laughs> stuff coming your way from the end of year live shows as well. People should sign up for that. Yeah, listen, yeah, I, no, I, I've, I've, I'm on record. I think I it's thought a good I'd idea. made a mistake I there. Your tone of voice. I actually thought I'd, I'd just, you know, <laughs> it's not unknown to make the odd mistake when recording these podcasts. Sometimes you pull me up and I go, no, oh, sorry, I, I made a mistake there. And then no, be, no, okay. no, no, no. Oh, listen, just adding your tuppence worth in for no reason. Just think it's. You dickhead! Secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus fat. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ 
the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. In the final and on in again. And Shane Horgan has our second biggest second captain Spurs fan behind David O'Doherty. <laughs> Commiserations yeah. on Harry Kane's penalty miss. How are you holding up there, big guy? Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough. <laughs> I don't, thoughts and prayers over Harry at this time. <laughs> <laughs> this is honestly the first. We haven't even talked. We were saying this at the top of the show. We haven't even talked about Eddie Jones yet and, and Warren Gatland, which we'll get to. But let's start with the current stuff and what happened at the weekend. And the Munster game, which was, was, was intriguing. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about Munster's shortcomings in recent times. And I guess you lose a game at home in your first match in the Champions Cup. It's not great. But uh, would you have the knives out after a, a, a performance like that on a on a night like that? I don't think you'd have the knives out, but I am thinking, well, when I was watching it and as the sort of mist was coming down, I was kind of thinking, well, I've, we've all seen this story before. We've seen it unfold in a positive sense mm. because it's the type of, you know, a you know, sort of cold winter's evening. There's very atmospheric, huge amount of number, number of people at Thomond and, and maybe a French team coming over that is, you know, not particularly happy with travelling at this time of year. Maybe focuses on on the uh, football World Cup, and and a difficult a difficult job for them to do. And um, once it didn't make it easy for them, but I think we saw maybe the difference between Toulouse and any other uh, French side, or you know, uh, the majority of the other French sides maybe doing a disservice there to La Rochelle. Um, but a team that is very focused on the on the Heineken Cup has obviously a massive tradition in it. Uh, and then when they got into the mix, you know, they were just, you know, that bit too good for Munster. My concerns for Munster are, if not 
under those circumstances, then you know what's what are the circumstances that are going to beat a team like Toulouse? But yeah, you can't. So it's not a knives out situation with Munster. We know where they're coming from. We know how good this Toulouse team is. I don't think you could lack. There was a necessarily a lack of effort or commitment, but it, it's a difficult start to, to a European Cup campaign losing your first game at home. What did you make of Munster's attempts to progress their game plan? Um, I mean, at times they had. Carberry, Frisch and Crowley in the one back line, which looked promising at times, particularly around the sort of 10, well, 12, 10 minutes to go. They were starting to combine. It never actually fully clicked for them, but there were promising signs. And I think that's why the fans wouldn't go too hard on them and maybe the media too, just because you really feel like Munster are trying their best to come over what you referred to earlier as their shortcomings. Yeah, and what was, I think two things there. There's, you know, they're certainly trying, and it's not a completely reductive game plan. And I think, um, I think there's a little bit of a skill deficit with that at the moment. We'll come on to uh, Leinster a little bit later on how comfortable they are in, you know, moving the ball wide and the shape that they find themselves in. Munster is still a bit um, away from that. The promising thing is they haven't reverted to a a Munster or what was perceived as the monster of old. You know, yes, they did, you know, try and go after Toulouse um, with the rolling mall, but it's not, it can't be the only bullet that they have in the chamber. And it looks like they aren't reducing their game to, you know, those couple of, of bullets, but are actually looking for a slightly more balanced game, as it were. We're not going to see Munster as a Leinster, nor really should should we. I don't think they have the, uh, it's not, I don't think in their DNA, it's not what they are striving to be. It takes a long time to, you know, build that into the uh, the team's DNA and upskill them enough to be very comfortable. But that slightly but a bar- ba- slightly better balance for me um, is encouraging. They need to continue that ambition and to challenge themselves with that right the way through the season. It's you know, it's not enough to just say, well, we can you know, we don't need to do that against some of the other teams. Um, just say in the URC. But it's something that they have to drum into themselves and again and again and again and be very com- become very comfortable with it. And then they have slightly more strings to their bow and they become a team that um, can challenge a-, a team like Toulouse because, you know, it-, it was a stress for Toulouse to get to that victory. For all that you say, Shane, I think they had a chance to actually win this. Their best attack, as I referred to earlier, I think came with about 10 minutes to go. And it ended up, I think Crowley had a couple of sort of half breaks, but it ended up at a rook, caught a, a Munster player's foot and he kind of knocked it out of his own rook. And then Toulouse kicked it down the other end of the field. And that's when Jack O'Donoghue did one of those runs where he runs straight at the tackler. And you're like, no, that's a bad idea because they're clearly going to take you down. You're a good runner, but you're not so big that you can do that. And it was a turnover. There was a Patterson pass at 78 minutes that killed another move. That Toulouse were down to 14 men at that stage. There was uh, Baron, uh, the hooker, the line-out that went crooked. That was another promising moment for Munster. So they, they at least got the losing bonus point and at least were in a position to win it. But they're still too sloppy. And I guess you're always wondering at that point, is that just that player's level, right, that he, that he makes that mistake every now and then? Or is that something a coach could do something about to be just more clinical, like say, clean up that rook, that Baron gets that line-out under pressure, that Patterson gets his pass 100% right when he really senses there's an opportunity there. So I don't know, is that that player's level or yeah. can a coach do something? Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's definitely not. I think uh, a level... I think it's the maybe um, players have a level in, tr- in terms of delivering the extraordinary 
and you know those kind of you know, sort of magical game breaking moments. Not every player can do that, but I think the level in terms of making mistakes, you know, and uh, and um, not being accurate on things that you're meant to be you're fairly comfortable in doing, even under fatigue. I don't see that as a level. I think that's you know, you know, that's maybe a mental level that they just need to get over and get up to. So, uh, but I think it's very achievable. There is definitely an element of coaching, but it's not like your coach not to make those mistakes. You know, the drills that they would be doing would, um, you know, um, would would make them better at delivering whatever that individual skill is. But it actually, it's more a case of identifying. I think post game to go, just as you did there, Simon, to go. Well, look at this. And then the decision that was made here and the error that was made here and the error that was made here all compounded. Um, and, you know, I, I think the example, the, the Jacko Donahue one who did, yeah, he ran super hard. And, he, you know, I don't know if it was directly 100% in, but it wasn't far off. He didn't have much footwork on it. So he he got he did get a little bit isolated, but then the work back to him to get back into that rook. There were players there; they hesitated a little bit and didn't get quite into it in time. So you know, not all the responsibility on him. That's a slightly broader piece. So you know, to go back to the main point, the you know the coach can point out these you know errors or or sort of slight misjudgments, and I'm sure he will be doing today, saying actually look at these compound errors here, and that may be one of the main reasons why we lost that game. It's not going to be easy, you know. Munster aren't in in the they aren't in the sort of cycle or the period the position in their cycle where they're going to be sort of blowing away teams like Toulouse. That's not going to happen. So you know to get an opportunity, as you pointed out there, to to win the game, and you know I think they did. They were well in it, and it was I think it was was it you know um, eight minutes to go or something like that, and uh, it was only a score a score between them. Yep. That um, you know that is where there's a sort of mental resolve that was also a massively important part of you know, historic uh, monster teams in Thoman to sort of squeeze it out. Reduce the reduce the errors, but not reduce the play. Yeah, because they've had sense. inferior players a lot of the time and beaten teams over the years. Yeah, but also I think that's you know sometimes a little bit overstated as well. I think they had a you know they've had a mix because they've also they've always had some really exceptional exceptional players as well. They've had some more limited players who delivered maximally. For them. that's it, you felt and like action, they were maxing out over and over. They, yeah, they were maxing out over and over, and also. You know, and not to say damn with fame plays, but knew the limitation of their their game. They, you know, they were That's very. That's a strength. That is a good thing to know. It's a real. It's a real. It's a, it's a big strength, and they not trying to do stuff that you can't do, and trying to, you know, pull off a miracle pass, or you know, trying to you know throw um you know a left hander you know forty meters when it's not it's not the thing you do. You know, you know what you can do, and you know you develop one or two skills that become really effective and then you effectively play zero uh, mistake rugby which you know um which you know is is something that was you know almost a hallmark of of Munster through the years so and all that you know there's a lot of moving parts there there's a lot of balancing there because you what you can't do is you know you have to retain an ambition an overall ambition uh, with the team you um but you I think also they have, have that to back. That's reduce. what that's the one positive I take from it is that 
they have that back. I just got sense that there, there's ambition throughout the team now. Not it's it's a change from last. You year. sound like Joey and Doe talking about Cameroon are going to win the World <laughs> Cup after they've lost uh, their matches. Si, you're you're well, when blind I saw, optimism. When I saw the Toulouse Munster. bench come on, particularly the front row bench, I was like, mm. Munster are doing very well to be in this game, and and they're playing a lot better. The start of the season, Munster were truly horrendous, and I was genuinely worried about the new coaching ticket. But I, I'm just I'm more encouraged. I'm still I still don't think they're even halfway to where they need to be but yeah. more encouraged and and also as well just you know I've, we've spoken a, a, a lot over the last few years with Munster Ambition I'm not saying that they have to be you know they don't, they, they, I'm not saying don't model sort of Leinster or you know or Toulouse or you know whoever whatever pick another team that you know an exit they don't have to be that and nor should they be but within the within development of their own game plan yeah, there has to be a nod to ambition and, and a willingness to be able to um, do something a little bit more sophisticated and I think we did see that against Toulouse I think it should um, you know, sort of buoy them because if they lent into that or they executed it slightly better then they could be talking about a, a win against Toulouse. On, listen, on the other side of it you think you know, outside of the circumstances um, that were there at the weekend it's going to be very difficult for Len- for um, Munster to to beat us aside with as many good players, um, you know, on the starting um, uh, fifteen and on the bench as as a Toulouse team. Well, you talked about the mistakes that Munster will have to identify. There shouldn't be too many problems for Ulster coach Dan McFarland to find some mistakes to show his team after this thirty nine nil defeat to Sale. Shane, you got to hand it them. They, they conceded every type of try from close range, from far out. They won from a line out that they had. They they messed up their own line out. There was one try. I think it was the bonus point try for Sale. It was so basic. It was like literally just nine passes to ten, little one to twelve. No sophistication. And he just, I was going to say, crash balled it, but he didn't even have to crash through anything. There wasn't yeah. a glove laid on him. What was going on there? Yeah, that that was a particularly bad one. But listen, take your pick. There were so many weak tries given away. There was there was some nice play for Sale and the. You know, the more they they started to play, the more ambition they played with. I think they didn't feel a threat from uh, from Ulster. You know, maybe right the way through the game, that try was appalling. Um, I think they, I think um, McCluskey had come into the maybe the ten channel. He he had um, there was a very very strong scrum as well, so the scrum was you know kind of easy for sale. Then there was a, the burst off uh, the back of the scrum, and then McCluskey collapsed down, and nobody else bothered to collapse down, and it was just a run through that you would see. Like it looked like a try from a different era of rugby. Yeah. Um, you then, you know, you also look at the at the um the throw in the you know the long the quick throw in that was to absolutely no one it was again just a kind of bonkers mistake. I I don't know. I didn't see this coming. I have to say with, with Ulster this level of performance. Um, I know they can be, they can be flaky. I think they, you know, we know they should have beaten uh, Leinster a couple of weeks ago with you know the, a big lead at half time and didn't. But this was an absolutely abject performance um, from you know almost from the first minute. And I was I was trying to think of reasons for it, and you know it was a cracking day. Um, it was against a, a, a side in sale that yeah they've evolved this year, and you know they're you know, packed with with South Africans and they kind of know what they're doing, but. You know, you don't. You wouldn't say necessarily they're challengers for this competition at all. Um, and I'm wondering, is there? You no, know, Ulster had um, maybe more uh, exposure to the uh, autumn series, the Irish autumn series, than you know past. I think some of their players did well. 
was you know were they just not able to get their heads back on were they you know they're not right I know they traveled their traveling was, was bad getting over there but you know uh, Leinster had a horrific um um uh, um uh, you know couple of days trying to get over uh, to Lahore for the um for the uh, racing game as well so I'm trying to find excuses but I really I, I I'm really coming a blank because it was as bad a result and performance as they've had in in literally years. Irish teams literally don't do this anymore. I'm, no. I was trying to go through my memory of, you know, any of the four provinces doing this. They they lose games, they underperform, but they don't get beaten out the gate. It's really unusual. And I was going to say after the Leinster game and the capitulation, there was one defensive mall where Leinster must have gone 20 metres and the, the Ulster pack just completely split. And it was one of those points where you went, oh, Jesus, that, that's a worrying sign for, for any team. And then I was thinking, that's that's just Ulster have a mental problem with Leinster going back decades. It's ridiculous. Like they they've been in so they've had so many chances to win games, and they sort of find ways to lose them. We think of Jacob Stockdale not putting the ball down, all the rest of it, right up to this season. Um, uh, obviously the Leinster red card, and I just I, I thought it's just a Leinster problem they have, and that maybe when they go back into Europe, they shed that, and they're kind of they're a good team now. I think they're pretty well coached. They have a great backline. But gee, they they have a they they have to really address this because they've La Rochelle coming up. <laughs> O'Gara will be spotting exactly. He will understand Ulster's frailties in that area. Um, and I just wonder, Shane, about Ulster, what what you do this week because when there's that many errors and when they're so basic, like Dan McFarlane can't say, "Hey, you should tackle the guy on the crash ball." There, hmm. it's, it's a bit like what yeah. we said about Munster. What do, does he actually just deal with them mentally, psychologically this yeah. week? I I think that's that's the key because. Um, I watched the body language of a lot of their players as, you know, as the horror show was unfolding. <laughs> That's what it was. And they didn't have anyone who, or didn't have enough people who, who said, we're we're going to stop this. We're going to, there's a, there's a certain way to lose. Um, and you're right. You know, that is a throwback to, um, you know, a, a different era um, for, for Irish teams and, it's just something that you know we haven't seen at that level for for a very 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 long time. So, you know, I I was looking at the body language, how they were re- reacting, you know, what they looked like under the posts, you know, kind of all the kind of pretty basic stuff that you would mm. um you know, identify as you know what a team is like um in terms of kind of spirit and resilience and all the things that you need. Yeah, and the idea of even when a game like that is going away, that you know, even you you might know it's gone, but there's a there's sort of sort of a way to lose, and and that was a catastrophic way to lose because I do think it sort of undermines any of the sort of positive stuff that we have seen. And I rate Dan McFarland; I think he's a good coach, um, I think he's a progressive coach, um, but that's you know it's very very difficult to um, you know flip that round in a week. So you know it is a, i think it's the psychological side of things that he will be getting into them too you know if you're going to sort of analyze that game it's yeah from a um you know on a like as they do in, in teams like on a monday morning let's go through the different you know areas where we made a mistake why that mistake was made and address it to be honest with you i'd be putting that in the bin i'd honestly put the whole um film in the bin and go it's actually not worth our while uh, going through right. this because it's going to be it's going to be um, you know so it's going to grip us <laughs> out too much basically yeah well yeah, it'll just actually cannibalize the whole week so there's actually something maybe there's something you're just going right we're going to change the mindset this week we were 
you know, so soft. We were so um, lackadaisical. We were we lack such resilience that that's going to be the focus of what we do. We we're going to um, you know rerun our own um, defensive patterns, which were uh, you know which was poor. We're going to pick out you know these plays that we're going to we're going to run against them. And that's going to be our focus. And we actually, in some ways, have to draw a line under that. So it's what is it, you know, um, you know, the first couple of days, not even the first day, the first day of the new week, you go, right, there's a nod to it. Then you draw it on the line and you focus very much on uh, on next week. Um, because if you don't, um, you know, it's a, it's a tough enough assignment and and uh, already and you know it, it will be quite a, a reversal in fortunes to, for them to to even compete this week after that. It's funny when we're we're covering Leinster in this competition, Shane, because you know we we just tend to almost gloss over some of these big impressive wins that they have in the pool stages because we all know that their season is going to be defined later on in the semi final and final stage. Well, so that's extremely that's extremely arrogant. Uh, you know that has been the way it's been over the last number of years. And yet when they do something like like they did at the weekend, scoring 42 points against a really good team after a fairly arduous trip, an 18-hour journey to get there, you've probably got to praise that quite a bit. Yeah, and I was thinking about what made it um, so good was um, their, you know, their, their standard is is really high now. You know, their their standard for all their players, you know, they're missing, you know, maybe their two key players, two best players, uh, out and you know it was it was very natural uh for the guys that came back in um they you know you can see you can see the sort of fingerprints of leinster and uh, ireland sort of working together that um that extra skill level that's demanded from um um forwards the um the bigger demands that are made in terms of getting into the shape early and people being it seems really aware of what the overall game plan is and not just what am I doing my, in my role. And I think that's a big evolution for, for Leinster's um, over the last, well, you know, well, certainly even since my time where you would think uh, the first phase of this is, you know, you know what you're doing for your role and make sure you deliver it correctly. And that's fine, but it can be a little bit myopic mm. um, and it can be a little bit siloed. It really feels now that the overall picture of what the team is is being uh, is doing or is being asked to do is known by everyone on the field and you know everyone in the squad and that's a very very nice place uh, pay, uh, place to be it means that you don't get people who are sort of overly focused on their own job if that if that makes sense and and to the detriment of what they're trying to do in the bigger picture and that shape that we're seeing um which is the sort of the, you know the tri- double triangle shape um, is is working you know consistently well, not just because people are getting into the shape, but it's the animation of what they're doing and the ability to take the ball and the trust that the ball carriers will give the ball to the right man. Oh, there's a couple of other simple things as well that we're seeing our lens to do off lineouts. That's it seems very basic, and, and maybe it is in the way they're using um, the hooker um, and they're using Van der Fleer. To 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 be the um, first receiver off the off the line out, then that sort of gets them um, um, a a width and an extra man um, right out into the midfield. So they all you know it's one and a half passes, and they're right out into the middle of the field from the line out, and they've got a heap of numbers coming around the corner as well. So you've got a massive panic in the midfield from the opposition who are thinking, 
they're looking at all these men out the back and going, you know, I have to keep them covered. I can't commit and just smash in here. Um, um, and if I do, they're going to drop that ball at the back. And if I, you know, if I don't, uh, then there's someone's going to run on a very hard line and maybe, you know, get an offload. So, um, and that doesn't sound like a lot since, well, you know, Hooker should be able to throw a 10 meter pass, you know, Van der Fleer should be able to throw a 10 meter pass. But um, it's the fact that they do it in front really sharp all the time and they're trusted to do it. It's just the difference between what, you know, Leinster are doing and a lot of other teams. I was a little bit relieved, actually, Shane, because Ireland effectively stopped or being stopped doing that during the November internationals. We're talking about almost exactly the same group of players playing at provincial level now. And those little triangle shapes, you said, where they almost always have three options off it and they take a different option every time. Um, the fact that they got back into those shapes, the fact that they were executing it so well. I know Racing didn't play very well. They were obviously off mentally themselves. But just that it's within this group of players still for it to work. Yeah, and I, listen, I, I didn't, I didn't ever doubt that. Um, I, I, I hate caveating everything we're saying by the opposition, but you know, Racing were poor. They weren't. Maybe it speaks to something about the competition this this year. And listen, it did start with a sort of a, a little bit of a whimper, given it's in the middle of the World Cup. Everyone's focused on that, um, and um, yeah, it just didn't feel you know maybe as you know as big a weekend as you might. Um, and now all of a sudden you've got a racing team that you know how potentially invested are they in this competition? That's not you know that's not ideal either. Um, but they were very good. I and I know I had no doubt that they'd be able to get back into that shape. The big thing is how they deal with um, you know a slow ball, um, not being able to get that momentum and a very very disruptive um, line speed that you know occasionally smashes them behind the, the gain line when they have that um, that triangle set up because. No, you're, it's not going to work for you every time, Simon. Yep. You're not going to pick the, um, the right line. You're maybe not going to hold. Someone's not going to hold the inside. That means uh, um, that um, you can, you know, it can't, uh, it may not work. And it's what happens with the phase after that or probably the next three phases after that to get you back into your shape and get you in a position where you can get some forward momentum and, you know, um, get those triangles going again. Shane, one big character leaves one of the Six Nations teams just before the World Cup year starts. Another one comes back in, though. Which one are you more surprised by? Eddie Jones getting the boot or Warren Gatlin coming back for another bite at the Wales job? Oh, it, 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 it's, yeah, it's kind of bizarre world, isn't it? You know, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. And then when it was mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that's, that, that's going to happen. You know, um, uh, the, I'm talking about Gatty coming back in. The whole PVAC thing hasn't worked. I know he delivered at Six Nations in his first championship, um, but um, you know, if you remember the, I think it was the autumn before that, um, that Six Nations, he, you know, it was really, it was a really poor autumn for 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 Wales. Now, it's not the Wales haven't had poor autumns before and then done mm. you know, outstanding things in the Six Nations, but they did. You know, they they moved away from you know the Gatti ball, which you know had were being so effective for them for for so long, into something that they weren't you know really delivering at. Maybe he was trying to play a bit wider, but you know it it wasn't particularly effective. But then they had this bizarre Six Nations Championship where you know Wales kept on playing teams that were down a man, mm-hmm. and I know that's you know it's it's uh, you know it feels a little bit harsh, but it covered over a lot, and I think. If that hadn't, if they hadn't have won that Six Nations, he would have maybe begun been gone, um, quite a bit earlier. But then we got to the situation where, 
you know, you can stand so much, and but you know, you can't stand so more. And and that was, you know, they 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 almost were had to pull the plug. And if they're going to pull the plug, for, you know, for anyone, it, it's you know, Gatti's. I think a, probably a good decision there. Even um, even though his recent you know, since he he left the job, he had a really bad time. The Chiefs they lost all their games, and then lost the Lions series in South Africa as well. So I mean, kind of be that a, a coach, diminished figure. Yeah, now. a coach can be past their best at a certain point. I, I, I hesitate even saying that, Shane, because I think Gatland for a long time, certainly over here, we probably underrated him. As I'm, I'm wary of sort of writing him off here. I, I, I tell you what, because Gatland is something else with Wales. He is. He's. It's. It's a different. And it's, I don't. I'm well documented. I don't think you know Gatland is a, um, you know, a leading light in the you know, development of 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 rugby. I don't think the way he sets teams up, um, it's particularly you know groundbreaking. It's or pretty really interesting to me. But what he has done consistently is maximize. Uh, Wales's talents, and I think there's kind of a mutual love in in that the you know the Welsh team and public love Gatti. I think Gatti loves um, the Welsh team. It's um, it's probably a good time for him to um, or for Wales to um, sort of pull back and be a little bit more simplistic about what they're doing, and then going into a World Cup, we know that kind of reduced mistake game plan can be enormously successful. I don't think you know a, a team like Wales it doesn't get you to necessarily a final or or to win a final, but you know it can easily get you to a semi. Um so um I think yeah, uh, I think it's it, if not this a perfect fit for the long-term future of uh, of Wales, I think it would be a very natural fit for them both and I think it would be they would achieve more with him than they would with Pivac. What about the fact that he won't have Edwards, he won't have Peak Alan Jones, he won't have Jonathan Davies? You won't have a lot of the orchestrators and the, I suppose the mentality uh, that a lot of those players brought and Edwards brought. So it's it's just Gatland a little bit more exposed now. Yeah, and it's more, you know, it's more challenging. I don't think the, the pool of players is as deep or as strong as it's um, been before. Um, but I suppose what is, you know, what are you, what's success? For him, you know, and I, I suppose when the Welsh team were management or the, you know, who the the Blazers are making the decision, they're going, would we be better off with Pivac or would we be better off with with Gatland? And yeah, you're right, he is diminished um, without Edwards, but you know, anybody, any team is, and you know, there's no, there's no, um, um. Uh, uh, what you call it, winding back the clock with that. He's mm. gone. He's with the French team, and and he's doing brilliantly. Um. Gatlin now, and it's the thing that he has always done, has been good at getting lieutenants around him. He'll promote new lieutenants, whether they'll be as good as, as Edwards or not. You know, I think we probably know the answer to that. But I suppose it's what's the expectations for Wales from where they are now to what they could do in the World Cup. And I think he'll be a positive factor. Shane, yeah, there can be no accusation of a mutual love-in between Eddie Jones and England, uh, certainly over, over the course of times. Although he, he had his moments there, I suppose. What did you think of the decision to let him go? Yeah, I've been a big fan of Eddie's, always have been. Mm-hmm. But even uh, as like a, as an Eddie loyalist, I have to say I have wavered over the last, um, you know, especially over this uh, this autumn series. Um, uh, I haven't. I've always been quite clear, or, or I think he's been quite clear on what he's trying been trying to to do uh, and how he sets up a team. And I think at his best, he's 
almost uh, probably the best around at setting up teams, particularly to play uh, attacking rugby. But um, a little bit of the machine had gone off. I hadn't been able to see exactly what he was doing. I think he probably mixed the match too much. He there was this idea the great white knight in um, um, Tuolangi would would come back and sort things out. That was sort of ill founded. He didn't get his 10, 12, 13 combination ever right. Um, and, you know, it, it was, you know, it's, it, it has been less successful than it should have been, even with, um, you know, them, the injuries that he's had. But there's a big group um, uh, and, and squad depth in England that should be, you know, that should be having more success than they have. And it, do, it does seem to have wavered in the, um, you know, the, the team itself. So, um, uh, again, I can kind of understand where the um, the um, decision came from. It did remind me maybe a little bit of of the sort of Joe end of the Joe Schmidt era. That was uh, you know a coach that is massively regarded by everyone, um, and a, definitely a rugby intellect. But in some ways, maybe um, inhibiting players. Now I don't know. I don't have. A, you know, direct insight as to you know the the pressures the players were under or how they felt reacting with Eddie. I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. You know, some get on better than, than others. Some find the stress and some don't. But I think that was a factor that they're inhibited. Um, and he he put you know a even if it, again it was a latent pressure or a latent strain on on what they were doing, and um, ultimately it, it um impacted their performance level so when you have a coach that is doing that um then then it's difficult to keep them on the difference between the sort of gaddy situation i i don't know necessarily is is a borthwick that's going to come in that seems to be the the you know the um talk on the street yeah that's what um, the english media are saying but it's not confirmed and, and and you know there's difficulties uh, uh with that as well um but you know does that immediately have a have a massive jump and and you know uh, you know, and our England would be a lot better off with you know nine months to go out from a World Cup by changing horses. Uh, I would have kept Eddie on. It's funny because you get all the bad elements of Eddie by sacking him at this stage. In that is the three years of preparation, of experimentation, of telling the fans they're useless, of telling <laughs> of telling English rugby all the home truths. But you're hoping those seven weeks in the World Cup is worth it because this little genius will come up with something and you get the team mentally right and all that sort of stuff. So you get all the bad stuff and then you don't get a shot at the good stuff. It, it speaks to the level of planning and intellect in the RFU. No, I think, um, you know, I thought I think they think that they just ran out of uh, the road with them, you know, and um, they couldn't um, the the risk of continuing on with them. When everyone and they're, listen, they're screaming here from the media, screaming from the fans. Everyone's going, you know, how can you keep this guy in place? It's difficult to say, um, and it's brave to say, we're keeping him in place because of his track record, particularly at World Cups. And as you said, all the sort of positive, the most positive things that he delivers should be in that last year of that cycle. And I think they probably ran out of bottle with that because um, unless he delivers in that World Cup, then the question is, well, why was he retained for so much longer? Why yeah. was this uh, Why was this the case? We could have got rid of him. We could have made a change. We knew the writing was on the wall. Um, when you look at the other side of things, you can go, he's a 90% win rate record as a coach in the in the Rugby World Cup. 
you know, for me, Decent. I would have bet on him get, getting, you know, getting his ducks in a row and, and delivering. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not going to happen now. Shane, brilliant stuff. Thanks, Emil. Thanks, Emil. Owen McDevitt, Owen McDevitt from Ireland's second captain show. Owen McDevitt, you're a cold piece of work. You're looking good. I know you're feeling good. Owen, you're amazing. I'm like, yeah. 2,000 podcast recordings today and the second captain show in Ireland. Owen McDevitt. Owen, I like you and I like your style. Yeah. I hear you in your 40s and your ball headed. Let's just put it this way. You are headed. Okay. Owen Mac Okay, Jack Charlton, we're just about out of time. Been a pleasure talking to you. I can't believe it, dog. I know what 2000 is. And that's a heck of a feat. But any man, I love your style. It's delicious. I'm Owen Mac Devitt. Owen Mac He's in non event as far as I'm concerned. So the Champions Cup is underway albeit under the shadow of the World Cup. I see the GAA refuses to cower beneath the behemoth. Of the football world could be the more, even though it used to do that. I saw Dennis Walsh had a piece today detailing how the GAA has dealt with this problem yeah. over the years. For a long time, they just didn't want to put any major games on at the same time as huge World Cup matches or major tournament matches. Huge so World Cup matches or like Heineken Cup finals or Heineken Cup semi-finals. Yeah. Even you know that there was there there was I, I read the piece as well uh, and actually really enjoyed it. The this idea that oh well. You know, why would we shoot ourselves in the foot by going up against major uh, sporting events? Whether that was the Munster Leinster uh, Heineken Cup semi final in Lansdowne Road that I remember Gola were playing a National Football League final, due to be playing at the same time, ended up playing it at like six o'clock <laughs> on a Sunday evening. Like totally bizarre uh, uh, schedule change, really, but in a lot of ways. Kind of given up on that now. They've said, listen, just there, there are hardcore fans of our sport who, yeah. not that they don't care, they probably would watch the football as well if it was on, but they will still actually come to our game. So they're just going ahead, barreling through this time. I mean, I missed what will be the only semi decent World Cup final played in my lifetime uh, France 4, Croatia 2. Because I was in Crow Park watching Gola beat Kerry in the Super 8s in a terrible, oh, so awful, such a terrible game of football. I mean, I can't they, even I, put it in words. I don't remember the game, the game but was. I remember you being at the game. Oh, God. I was at, Gola had won for the first time in 17 years in Crow Park, and I was angry at the end of it. Yeah. That's, how, that's how dull it was. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, they, had, they have. And obviously, winter, a Winter World Cup means it's up against. Uh, club games. Yeah. So there's been a lot of controversy, controversy, not a lot of chat about putting uh, Ballyhale against Ballygunner uh, in the uh, All Ireland Club hurling semi-finals in Crow Park up against the World Cup final. And you know, I can appreciate that there will be a constituency of people that would like to be able to sit down and watch both of these events. I mean, I would be inclined to say you can watch both of them simultaneously. You know, it's it's going to be you know pretty unsatisfactory on both counts, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. Open up your laptop, see what happens. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I struggled to get that energised by it. I mean, I was watching Kilku against Glenn, uh, Wattie Graham's Glenn, uh, the Derry champions, in the Ulster Club final yesterday. And, I mean, obviously, uh, this is a rematch of uh, a titanic struggle they had in an Ulster Club semi-final last year. Game, really, really enjoyable, unbelievably intense, uh, crowd in the athletic grounds are absolutely just enthralled by the whole thing but it's still you know it's still two club games you know like the people who really 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 care about this are the two people from are the two clubs involved so I mean 
for Ballygunner people and for Ballyhale people, it doesn't really matter that the World Cup final is on because this is the biggest thing in their world. And why wouldn't it be? For everyone else, I mean, I'm sitting down watching it. I really enjoy it. But, I mean, it's not 70,000 people in Crow Park either. Like, the, the, it's necessarily a different thing. So whatever about moving county games where you're talking about, you know, maybe 200, 300,000 people who are you know, emotionally invested in it in some way. If you're moving games between places like Ballyhale and Ballygunner for the World Cup final, I mean, I don't think I just this is a victimless crime. They're, they're not moving the game. So there's no. going to be, and also, um, this might be the first some people have heard of the World Cup final being on at three o'clock because it seems logical it would be seven o'clock. That's what all mm. the games are. The quarter semis, uh, certainly the semis now are seven, but it's an afternoon kickoff on Sunday. So yeah. that's the situation there. But they're going ahead. Yeah, I also think it's it's not it's such a one-off or such a rarity that this sort of thing is going to happen anyway. Uh, you know, who cares if a few less people watch this one match rather than really annoying everybody who actually, the hardcore and the people mm. who really want to see and, and pushing it around and changing things. Just, it's it's in there. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's, there, are, there are many meats of the sporting stew on. You know, uh, and you know, we you can feast on whichever meats you like or indeed no meat at all. Mm. Uh, there's a growing vegetarian and indeed vegan uh, movement out there on uh, and I support all of them well we will be feasting on the Ushi McConville Shane Walsh chat at some stage mm. in the next couple of weeks that we put just out just get the Liberty pot Hill. and just tip it into your mouth yeah. like like just a huge yeah. like stew will be falling on both sides of your face <laughs> but enough stew will be getting bits of Shane Walsh bits of Ushin it's all going to be piling in there a few yeah. spuds yeah just Wear it as a hat and just, you know, soup. Lick it off your face if required. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of news out there. Go get it. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Si. Thank you, Ud. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for listening. A reminder your next World Cup podcast is out. Have I lost my mind? Maybe I have. It seems like I might have. A reminder to sign up today to hear all our coverage of the World Cup semi finals, including a preview podcast tonight. And you'll also hear those pods ad free if you sign up on secondcaptains.com. The Second Captains podcast, it is part, Murph, of, of the, the A-Captains. A-Captains Creator Network. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. The Second Captains World Service. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.